Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Ross, Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig Harris. Well, hi, folks. This is Dr. Jeffrey Roth, your board-certified plastic surgeon in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we're at it again. Yes, it's. Uh, I actually have to see what number episode we're up to, but we've got quite a few going now. I think. Yeah, quite I think it's. Few. I think I have to. I, I t- had to take off my shoes to count. You know. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. That. So yes, and we've actually reached um, our eighth season now. Something like that. I can't. Remember, so. <laughs> um, and actually, we've reached. Uh, I think almost sixty-five thousand downloads, which is. You know, for podcasting world, that's a good number. Well, yeah, and th- and, and that's and that's uh, everybody that's actually um, listened to us now. So thank you very much for doing that and, and telling your friends uh, uh, or enemies uh, about us. So yeah. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, we, we definitely appreciate listeners, and uh, it's exciting because we kind of started off the, with an idea to do this show, and it's kind of grown and grown, and yeah, and we've been getting a lot of really good f- uh, feedback, uh, and. This is what I want to hear about. And if I was in a room with a plastic surgeon, this is what I would ask him. Or, or people that have asked me these sorts of questions at charity events or boxing matches or whatever, we, we go ahead and, and we, uh, we try to bring that here because if they have that question, more people are going to have that question. Exactly. And it's nice, it's nice for people to get um, information from highly qualified doctors. And, uh, and you have, we've talked about that, but you have a varied background, not only plastic surgery, but general surgery, emergency um, you know, being an emergency doctor in a very busy hospital. So you really cover a lot of territory. So, yeah, so it's, I've been blessed with the training that I've had I, and the experiences that I've had. I've been, I've been really, really blessed. And, and uh, I, you know, I get a lot of luck along the way uh, as well. And, and I like to think hard work. And, uh, but yeah, and, and again, I just, I try to emulate the folks that trained me. You know, what right. would Dr. Mathis do? What would Dr. Hoffman do? Okay, well, I'll do that. Yeah. So that's great. And it's great to have those kind of mentors that are, Basically, those guys are internationally known. Yes, and, and and what's getting scary is you go to you go to these meetings, and uh, I'm not the young guy in the room anymore. Uh, all <laughs> like, happen. Who's this young guy? Oh, what? So yeah. he's on the boat. What? You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, it's uh, uh it's uh, it's scary. And um, they're, they're just actually, I was t- talking to Jack about this, and you're reading the the paper, and and a, and a couple, uh, many. We should say the, Jack the, is your brother. Rates. Yes, Jack is my yes. brother, and so I, thank you, and uh, for you those who are just tuning in, and uh, you, you read in little plastic surgery magazines that we, that we get. Uh, and a lot of these guys that were icons uh, are, are passing away now. You're, you're uh, Dr. Ian Jackson's, uh, you're, you're um, Dr. Brody, um, a, a guy near and dear to my heart. So shout out to Dr. Jack Sheen, mm-hmm. who uh, was dear friends with my mother. Uh, he was arguably the best nosed man in the world for, wow. uh, for decades and such a nice, nice man and uh, really reformulated how we thought about noses and rhinoplasty and how to fix them and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and just, just a wonderful um, human being. And, and a couple of things is uh, I was finishing up, this is 20 years ago now, I was uh, uh, finishing up uh, my, my residencies, my fellowships and my training and he calls me and uh, I was at uh, USCLA County at the time, and uh, he was uh, up in Santa Barbara. Uh, and he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm packing it in. He says, if you want to see me operate, you better get up here. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I was, I was up there, I needed a bunch of cases, and it was just, it, it was kind of like white, like watching Michael Jackson playing, Michael Jackson you know, performing or Michael Jordan playing basketball. Right. I mean, you're just kind of like, oh, wow, did, wow, look at that move. You yeah. know? And, so, uh, and, and the thinking behind it, and he explained it, and, and et cetera, et cetera, and it was wonderful. And then 
another kind of aside. Uh, so he, so we get done with the day and stuff. And so he calls me later on. He says, "Hey, what are you doing?" I said, oh, "I'm just here reading and stuff like that." It was at, at some you know, Hampton Inn or whatever up there. And he says, "Well, can you be ready in an hour?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So we go ahead. So uh, I said, "Where are we going?" He says, "We're going to art class." I'm like, "We're going to art class." Okay, we're going to art class. So we go ahead. <laughs> we go to art class at some community center up in Santa Barbara. And so we're walking in, and it's a sculpture class. Okay. Ah, interesting. And okay. so I walk in, a sculpture class, and there's about twelve people there with their with their sculptures they've been working on their clay. And there was this nude model in the middle on this big thing like a lazy Susan. Mm-hmm. And so the instructor would go ahead and kind of move the lazy Susan around, like, oh, okay, well I'll hang out with Doctor Sheen. So I'm there, and all of a sudden the the lady comes around and puts this big blunk uh, block of uh, clay right in front of me. He says, okay, have at it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so all of a sudden I went from doing nothing, you know, that right. day to, you know, having a live art class with Dr. Sheen. And that, that, it was, yeah, it was really kind of, really kind of cool, really phenomenal. And yeah. then one more aside is, is that the gal that used to take care of his patients, because he had a recovery house, because people for him would come from Saudi Arabia, they would come everywhere. Right. And uh, she would, have what they call the nose house because you'd have four people eating soup going, can you smell? I don't really know. Can you smell? Like I can't. Can you smell? So, um, so, so she actually gave me his book. So, because uh, he wrote all the big tomes of the book. And so I actually have Dr. Sheen's Dr. Sheen book oh, okay. uh, in yeah. my, in my life, which is, which is kind of a kick for me. So it's, I know it's a little geek. I'm geeking out right now, but, uh, but yeah. And, and now that he recently passed away that it really just, yeah, it was, it was a real kick in the shins. Cause he was, he was a great, he hadn't operated, but he was, he was a great guy and they still present his videos and they still present his work, uh, et cetera. Yeah. So, uh, What's that? it's so important to have mentors in whatever field you're in, right? Sure. People that you look up to and you can oh, learn from a hundred percent. And there's some folks that you're like, okay, I'm not going to be him. You know what I mean, and right. and so and that's okay too. But yeah, no, I, I've been very very fortunate to have lots of uh, lots of folks that I could look up to and, and try to emulate. Mm. So. That's um, one of the things we want to talk about today is um, implant malposition, and uh, I guess that would be implant shifting and that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. So everything's great until it it's not. Uh, <laughs> as is life. As is, as is life. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, and again, as a, as a board certified plastic surgeon, what you try to do? Actually, you're double board certified. Well, there's that. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, board certified in general surgery, in case I ever want to do a hernia or some other <laughs> hankering to take some colon out. But, um, but you, you never know. Uh, so it, we go ahead and we we see the patient, we talk to the patient, and we try to avoid trouble before there's trouble. Sure. Right. And so if somebody who's on uh, a chemotherapy agent uh, and steroids and who's diabetic and a big smoker and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So some of those folks aren't the best candidates. And especially if they want to go 800 cc's and they weigh 95 pounds. Okay. Okay. Well, time out. So gigantic breast implant. Right. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, big as your head. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So, so you try to uh, head off trouble before you find it, but sometimes it finds you anyways. And so again, you go ahead and we take uh, your best efforts and you, and you, you think they're a good candidate and you go to the operating room and um, you put the implants in, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and everything looks great, et cetera. And um, so, and then the breast augs typically will go ahead and rise up a little bit because people go into spasm. And then usually about uh, a month's time, they go ahead and start settling in and usually can take, you know, six months, 10 months, 12 months for things to finally, finally settle mm-hmm. in. And we have people, patients massage and we have a little bandu strap thing and we have patients go to 
breast physical therapy. Yes, there's such a thing. Uh, no, you can't work there, Craig. So, uh, okay, yeah. So, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but having said that, and they do a really, really good job. And they do cupping and stuff like that. They, they try to get people out of spasm. We put people actually on uh, anti-spasm medicines because we've found over the years, if you keep them out of spasm, you keep them out of pain. So anyway, right. so we do all the things you're supposed to do, okay? And so in a certain percentage, sometimes the implant won't drop. Or the implant, for whatever reason, will go ahead and shift over. Sometimes after trauma, by trauma we mean traffic accidents, sure. uh, falls, that sort of thing. Uh, sometimes people will do some inadvertent move in the gym, tear the capsule. The capsule is basically the surrounding of the implant. Right, which we're going to talk about Which later we'll talk too, about. It. Yeah, right? oh, good. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in a second. So sometimes now you have a bigger capsule because it tore and then it kind of mended itself together. So now the implant is kind of sloshed around a little bit more. Um, most implants, most breasts, if the, the, the gal lays down, will go ahead and go towards the armpits and down a little bit because again, Chests aren't flat, chests are round, uh, and so that's kind of where that, that's driven to. So having said all that, sometimes the implant doesn't exactly stay where you want it, uh, and that it can be a, an issue. Uh, and so then, again, like any problem, we say, okay, well, what's the diagnosis, what's the etiology, and then how to fix it. And again, my brain works least invasive to most invasive. So again, we try the least invasive stuff. We, saw, we do massage, we do foam rollers, we do breast... Uh, um, rehab places. We do Singular, which is an asthma drug. Sometimes that'll soften things up. We do muscle relaxers. So we do all of those things. And sometimes that, that helps. Well, boom, and it falls into place and everybody's happy and you know happy to live after. Uh, and then there's the surgical um, approach as well, where at the end you're like, okay, you've tried everything. It's you know Now this is just an anatomical problem with a surgical fix. And we go in there and um, we would take the the implant out, we would go into the pocket, see what the issue might be there. We may have to stitch up the pocket. We may have to make a, a couple incisions in it, modify the pocket. Some folks, we also talk about different suture techniques. We talk about using the stuff called acellulodermal matrix, right. uh, ADM or acellulodermal matrix. It's basically uh, dermis off the shelf, and which is great, especially we use it a lot in the in the burn world. And, right to and, replace skin. Yes, to replace yep. to replace skin, and uh, we use it in the reconstructive world, and then now we're using it in the, um, the post complication world. And so we put that in, and that's really good as a buttress. It also is good for capsular scarring because capsule is not supposed to climb over it. Uh, and uh, it's also good for real thin gals because it also gives you some soft tissue. Um, coverage in there with that said it's a bit expensive at about you know two thousand a sheet uh for one breast um etc etc and then so there's that and there's also this biomesh uh which we use which is a little less expensive uh and that basically will kind of hold on to things for about a couple years and then fade itself away so there's a few things out there that we can use to go ahead and address that issue of implant uh, malplacement or displacement. Yeah, and I guess and everybody's anatomy is different, of course. People have different levels of activity. So I guess that would all come into play in the, sure. those issues. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah, uh, somebody who's a kayaker is going to be different than <laughs> yes. somebody who is, you know, just mom, work, work, uh, yeah, or, well, or, or just you know, somebody who works at Pac Bell, sure. you know, as a CSA, uh, a customer service agent, uh, all day. Uh, and so, yeah, so, so it, 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 of course, it depends on the patient, the patient's protoplasm, um, and then, you know, how much they're really using, using stuff. So, so, and we talked about the capsule. So I, I know people have heard those terms in, ter in relation to breast implants. Can you explain what the capsule is? And I know sure. you just did a recent procedure that you filmed. 
Sure. Um, we talk about that too. That's on your website. Sure. So anytime you put something in a body, right, whether it's a breast implant, whether it's a defibrillator, whether it is a chemotherapy port, uh, whether it's a cav implant, whether it's a testicular implant, um, a, a capsule will form around it. Okay. The body says, hey, that's not me. I'm going to wall that off a little bit. And so usually they're soft and, and everything's fine and, and, and all that. Uh, but sometimes, a, especially in the breast, 17 to 27% of the time, that capsule will go ahead and get a little firmer, a little harder, right? So that's what we call capsular scarring or capsular contracture, right? And we call it contracture often because scars contract, right? Mm-hmm. And that's especially a problem, say, in the burn world or the trauma world, especially over joints, because you don't want joints to contract up. You want right. to release them yeah. so they have full range of motion. Okay, so capsular contracture. So basically, as implants are in, they're settled in, and it may happen early, it may happen years later. Okay, so, uh, and we don't particularly know why capsular contracture happens. It's kind of the bane of a plastic surgeon's life. Right, because um, you can do everything right, and it can still happen. And it still, still happens. Happens. Yeah. happens. Best of families happens to me, it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to think that my capsular contracture rates are lower than most uh, most folks, but right. but again, we still, you know, if you know, it's, if it's a, if it's a 1%, I mean, 17, to 27%, right? If it's if a 1%, you're the, if you're the 1%, <laughs> if, it's the one, if it's you're the 1%, then it's a hundred percent to you, right? Yes. Or if it's a, if it's 1% out of 200, well, yeah, that's two, right. you know, a year and it crushes me every time. So, uh, uh, but there are scales, it's gradation. Uh, and, uh, Baker, another, uh, another luminary passed away recently, uh, classified it, uh, four, three, two, one, and four is like rock hard, you know, boom. Right. Uh, and three, a little less so two and one. And so, uh, again, you try uh, to prevent it. Number one is you don't have blood in the pocket. Uh, you try to be able to not have them smoke. You have the massage early. You do all the stuff we're supposed to do. The also, there is some thinking of it might be some biofilm. And what that is, you put that implant in. You may have a couple little bacteria floating around. Uh, you kill them off with the um, antibiotics. But they sometimes will secrete this little house, this little biofilm mm. uh, for themselves in the in the capsule. Right. And so they've seen that. So now in the capsule also, one is, is, is scars contract, number one. And two, in the capsule, there's this little thing called a myofibroblast, right? So a myro means muscle, a fibroblast type of cell. So sometimes we can go ahead and give these folks uh, Singulair. Singulair is an asthma drug. An asthma drug, which actually in some cases, the majority of cases, can go ahead and get the uh, capsules to relax a little bit. Because the same receptors that you find in the bronchioles may cause asthma, you block them, same sort of mechanism of action. Kind of interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so sometimes we'll do that. Uh, and again, for me, least invasive, most invasive first. Uh, there's medicines for that, singular. There's massage. There's breast physical therapy. There's all those sorts of different things you can mm-hmm. do. Uh, but then, okay, so now you have capsular contracture. Uh, the implant oftentimes will get harder and start rising up towards the clavicle, right? Sometimes it's painful if they roll over, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Okay. Now, in uh, the past, there's been uh, folks that have done what's called a closed capsulotomy. And what that means is, is you go ahead and you just squeeze the heck out of it and you hope you crack it. Okay. That hurts, number one. Yeah. And number two, I mean, some of the <laughs> old guys uh, would have this thing. It looks like a big nutcracker. You know, it's like about the size of, uh, you know, cutting the... Uh, lock off of your junior high school, you know, locker. Okay. <laughs> right, and right. so you come walking in the room with this big thing and like the girl goes out the window. So, uh, so we've kind of fallen away from that. Yeah. Uh, and some guys have done ultrasound. Again, it, it depends on who you read. Uh, so failing all that, then you're like, okay, well now what? So now we go back to the operating room and what are, what are our uh, operative 
interventions? What are our options? So number one is uh, take out the implant. Take a look at the pocket in the capsule, right? So one is to do a capsule otomy. Otomy means make a hole in it, right? Mm-hmm. So otomy makes a hole. So in this particular case, if especially if they're thin, because you want to preserve as much soft tissue as you can on there. Right, because the, the, the uh, skin, the tissue, right. has to be a certain thickness, well, right? Right. And especially, cause, cause problems. right, and especially if they're real thin to begin with, and especially if they're on top of the muscle, so you're not working with a lot of... A lot of space. So sometimes you want to recruit as much tissue as you can with that. Mm. And so you can go ahead and make a capsuleotomy, which means make some holes in it. That usually kind of gives you enough room for things to, to again, start over, be soft, etc. Right. Versus a capsuleectomy. Ectomy means take it out, right? So appendectomy, pancreatectomy, ectomy means take it out. Uh, so so there's the, the ectomy part. And so in that regard, then you go ahead and you take the whole thing out. Uh, and, that can, and then you wash the heck out of it and you get back to to square one, you hope you right. get back to virgin tissue. Some folks will go ahead. So if, you, if you take it out, do you, um, is that the process? You take it out, you clean it out, put the implant back in? Well, that's, that's the great, the great question. So my, yeah, my, my next sentence is, well, now you got to make a decision. Right. This is one, you put anything back in. Sure. One. Cause you don't want to run right into the same problem. So, right. Have. So, and some, some folks are like, yeah, I'm over it. But some folks, you know, I really want it back. Uh, do you go in the same pocket or do you switch pockets? So mm-hmm. do you go from on top of the muscle to underneath the muscle, oh, okay. et cetera, to get into a quote-unquote virgin plane where you may not have that issue? Because once you've had capsular scarring, uh, yes, you're at higher risk to have it again for whatever reason. When, when you're actually, so on that subject, when you're talking about on top or underneath the muscle, what's the, when you originally go in to do the um, breast dog, what, what's the decision-making process with that? Yeah, it depends. Nowadays, and again, these are one of those things that we plastic surgeons argue about all the time and we never get our minds changed, is, is um. For me, I like to go underneath the muscle for three reasons. One is I think it looks more natural because you have more soft tissue covering it. Right. Two, uh, I think that they stay put longer. They don't slide down the chest wall as much. So again, less displacement. And then three, I think that they have less capsular scarring, less contra- uh, contracture, and putting them underneath the muscle. Um, for, so for those three reasons, that's where I like to put them. Now, some folks um, can't stand uh, motion because sometimes with underneath the muscle, the lady will fire her pectoralis major muscle and the implants will go up a little bit. Right, right? sure. Now, some strippers use it as a marketing technique and go, hey, watch this, you know what I mean? But... <laughs> Having said that, most folks, you know, say, oh, yeah. and we'll say exotic dancers. Right. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, but most folks are in the gym, they can kind of see a little bit. And, sure. you know, okay. And, and, but some folks are really bothered, or it's very extreme. Okay. So, those folks sometimes will go ahead and put on top of the muscle, or if there's some other compelling reason, uh, if there's a chest wall issue or something along those lines. So, sure. again, it's judgment. Um, as, as far as that goes. But by and large, we like to put them underneath the, the muscle unless there's a compelling reason to. to and when you have so. the. Um, because with the capsule capsular issue, um, if if they're having the, like the hardness, I guess basically if they're, if they're touching their breasts, whatever, it'll have a certain feel to it. Yeah, it just doesn't feel natural. Right. So right? so yeah, it can not feel natural. Can be off a little bit. Can be displaced. Can be hard. All of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we see a lot of that with is old old implants. Right. Um, that's exactly. I was going to ask you about. So that. Yeah. old old implants, especially those. And we I live in a town where there were showgirls that have had these in since the seventies and eighties mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And um, with those implants back in that day, the the leak rate of the silicone implant was fifty percent at ten years. Now wow. that leak rate's down between five and ten percent, depending on how you read. Sure. So, and the um, the stuff that's in it, the actual silicone, used to be like maple syrup, and, and now this new one is cohesive gel implant, which is basically like a uh, gummy bear. That's where you get the gummy right. bear. Right. It doesn't. Right. It won't spread if there is a leak as much as exactly right. right. So, uh, so having said all of that is is so 
some of these folks have had them in forever. And just recently, we've had a string of folks come in and uh, removal and replacement. And we had one gal that was in for about 32 years. Another one, I, I had another gal that was in for uh, 30, 32 years. Wow. One, one gal had significant leaks on both sides. This other gal had a little leak on the, on the one side. But because of that, if they've been there that long with that sort of implant, et cetera, et cetera, it, it was really like a rock and it was really calcified sure. it, it, the whole, the whole way around. Um, and, uh, and so we were able to go ahead and extract that. And if you go to our, um, uh, YouTube, uh, site and, uh, and all that, uh, we'll be posting, um, some film and what you'll see me do is basically take it to the back table after everything is said and done and I'll actually take a scissors and I'll actually open up and you can kind of see the calcifications right. uh, from something like this times because yeah, I mean 32 30, years is it's a long time yeah. so yeah so yeah you typically don't want the implants in there that long if you can get a good you know 12 13 15 years out of an implant it's pretty good they're not permanent devices uh, so typically uh, we take them out at some point. Do you think most doctors, when they're putting those in, do they? Do you think most doctors? Um, I mean, it seems to be responsible to explain like this is not something that's going to be in forever. Yeah, you are going to. I would assume most doctors actually explain that. Yeah. So yeah. So all, all the board certified plastic surgeons I know uh, right. do that, and it's in the, it's in every informed consent, and it's in in every. You but still, so. some people don't pay attention. Well, I guess. yeah, I mean that you know, I mean that that you know that that happens uh, as well. But for the most part, we try to educate best we can, yeah. and we do it. Uh, verbally we have cartoons on the website we 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 have everything we try to do everything we can to right. to get people well, I think too, maybe because uh, you know, and I know actually what I've heard about that is some from some of the TV shows that we've we've seen um they actually that's a very common topic on those shows oh, sure. where people will come in like you said they had implants in the 70s 80s sure. Maybe now they've been in for 20, 30 years. It's like, you know, should I get this changed? And the doctor's like, of course. Yes. You know? So, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. People will go ahead. When I was a general surgeon, I mean, people would come in these big, especially in Philly, they'd come in with these big lumps or masses and all that kind of stuff. And how long has it been going on for, sir? Oh, 25 years. I'm like, wow, yeah. Did you, you know, want to swing by? And, you know, and, and so now, and then it's as big as your head and it's on his back and he can't right. put a shirt on and it's, you know, and it oozes and you're like, and okay. And we, we had um, talked about this before somewhat, but I, maybe people that haven't heard the show or they just started following us. Um, the, the subject of saline versus silicone. Um, how do you approach that when people come to you and ask you those questions, like what they should do? And Sure. Well, again, you try to fit the patient uh, for what they need, right? So basically in, in our experience at, at the office is, is we do about 80% silicone, about uh, 20% salines nowadays. Uh, so the silicone gels now have gotten so darn good uh, and the numbers have gotten so much better. Right. So, and I think that they're uh, uh, safe, otherwise I wouldn't put them in. Uh, and again, you and I have talked about this uh, a lot is the breast implant illness cases, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I okay. think there is a, a, a number of folks in the population uh, that it doesn't work uh, for them, and then you take them out and they get better. So, so yeah, I, I think there was something to that. I think it's going to be more, talk the capsule again, I think it's going to be something in the capsule more than the implant itself. We are now... How your body reacts. Right, to so, or, yeah, or if there's a, a subclinical fungal infection, who knows? But at least we're studying that now. Yeah. At least now uh, folks are actually sending these capsules and looking under microscopes and doing stains, and they're doing you know the PCR, they're doing all the stuff they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. to kind of figure out why scars contract, why capsules contract. And then uh, also what what is there that is maybe causing some of these uh, illness problems. So so to answer your question, is so 80% of the time we do uh, a silicone implant, uh, and then about 20% of the time we do the salines. And it really kind of just depends on the patient and how they want things to feel. Sometimes it's a price point issue. Um, so really, it, it really sort of depends. And now some guys... Um, 
you know, and I'm busting on the, you know, the LA, New York guys, cause it's just, it's easy to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, just, just so easy. So, and they're my friends and it's just, yeah, they're used to it. Um, but the, some of the guys and gals will go ahead and say, Oh, well, I only do a uh, silicone implant. Like, okay. Right. Good for you. Right. Uh, but we'll do some say, uh, obviously some salines as well. It really just kind of depends on the patient. You mentioned there's actually a cost difference, which I didn't know. What's, what is the difference in cost between saline and I mean, approximately it's uh, it, uh, so I don't know for sure. I want to say it's a, a thousand or 1500 yeah. or something. Along so it's, it's something yeah, line. so yeah, so it, de- it depends, you know, it depends on, uh, on, on the patient and, and what their means are and, right. uh, and what they want to do. Um, right. You know, if it's, and, and it just kind of really depends on that that individual. Yeah. So well, it's, and it's great to have options, like especially you said as far as the placement options. Um, that's great too, especially for people's different lifestyles. I think that that's important. And as a doctor, how, how is important? How how much is listening to the patient? Um, how much importance does that place on your decisions about how you're going to treat them? Sure. Well, they teach you in medical school that eighty. Well, it depends on the number, but about eighty percent of the time, you'll figure out what's wrong with the patient by the history, uh, mm-hmm. 85% of the time. So what they tell you, okay, is, is oh, you know, doc, I had it started here, and I had this pain, blah, 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 the redness. Is, so if you listen to the patient, you usually can kind of, usually, unless it's something weird, and then you need house, right? That you can go ahead and kind of <laughs> figure out what's, what's, uh, what's, what's, what's going on right. with that. Um, so that's number one. Before CT scans and radiology and before tests and before that kind of stuff. And if you lay a stethoscope on somebody and that sort of thing. So 80, 85% of the time, uh, you can usually figure that out if you listen to the patient. And, say, and as physicians, we now, we have all of this external pressure to move faster. Okay. Right. So the government wants you to see somebody every seven minutes. Okay. If you're working for, you know, big hospital or big system or whatever, they want you to see everybody, you know, seven. So it, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. It's a lot of pressure. Right. Or they, they want you to come in, want you to come out in the ER. Sometimes you're the only guy down or gal down there and you got 40 patients, you got to move. Right. So that, I don't know if it's doing us a, a disservice, uh, etc. But having said that, is is listening to patient I think is critical, which is why pediatrics is so darn hard, right? Uh, exactly, because yeah. you can you know you can't ask the six months old, hey, you know, why are you crying? You know, why, why, you, why, why are you crying? Yeah. Why are you throwing up? Was this red thing? How's it been on? Uh, how long has it been gone for, sir? Right. You know what I mean? They're six, okay, so months, uh, and, and so then and then you have to get the history from the parent who may or may not be a great historian uh, sure. or grandma, you know, or somebody doesn't speak English and, yeah, and, and that absolutely. can be an issue. And then you have to get an interpreter and what's really going on. And sometimes it's a situation where it's actually an emergency. Of course. You got to figure it out. And you do the best you can. Yeah. So, 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 so yeah. So the answer is, is yeah, is one is, is physicians interrupt their patients way too fast. Mm-hmm. They have to slow down and listen. If they do listen, uh, usually 80, 85% of the time, the patient will tell you what's kind of going on. And I like to listen to patients also and get a little bit into the motivation. Okay, well, why are you coming in for this operation? Um, uh, and again, I work for the patient. I don't work for uh, the husband or boyfriend. or yeah, those, that's tricky, right? Or, or that, that situation. Sort of, sort of thing. Can be. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of a classic, you know, conundrum, et, et cetera. So, so there's, you know, there's that as uh, as well. But the, the main, I like to, and, and why are you getting this for? Oh, this is, and, and they'll, Go ahead, usually, and when you get down to soup to nuts, you'll figure out kind of why, and then you can best serve that. Okay, mm. so whatever that true need is, then you can kind of go ahead and. Yeah, serve, and do you think serve that that's because I've actually I've sat in on a couple of your consultations. One was with my ex-wife, um, and we still get along, which is good. But um, at, at what 
And what I liked about your consultation process was that you really take time and you really do listen. And and with your goal going into a consultation, what is the ultimate goal? Is really to get to the the root of what they really want and make sure they're going to be happy. Or? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So again, the goal in a trauma bay is to save somebody's life. Sure. Okay? The the goal in a cancer operation is uh, remove the patient from the disease. Right. Uh, the so 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 what is the stated goal? The stated goal. Depends on the patient. Sometimes, especially the mommy makeovers, it's, uh, I just want things put back where it used to be before the seven kids. Yeah. I want to feel better myself. myself. I just want to look better in a dress. And you have to set realistic expectations. expectations right. Right. Um, somebody lost 100 pounds. Doc, I don't want to fold the skin into my pants anymore. Right. So I don't care about the scars. Put the scar wherever the hell you want. It says, I just, I, I, you know, I, I got to fold and refold my skin. Sure. You know, um, and they've done the hard work, and, and and they've lost 100 pounds, and and they've been on the treadmill, and they've done the diet, or they've done the surgery, they have a whatever lot of it emotional is. Investment well, of course, right. and they've done a whole work, all the work, and then me, I come in at the end with the, the white hat, and you know, I put the cherry on top, and right. uh, and so for me, it's really a blessing to be part of that um, journey uh, that, sure. that, that that they're on, and so. Um, there's the classic moment, again, the classic Hollywood moment, we've talked about this, uh, with otoplasty, where the 16, 17-year-old girl doesn't want to play sports, doesn't want to put her hair back, uh, et cetera. Explain it, what the otoplasty yeah, is. So, so otoplasty is ear pinning, uh, basically mm-hmm. putting the ears back where they're supposed to be. Uh, you know, these kids may have gotten teased mercilessly, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, so with one operation, <clears throat> you go to the operating room, you, you put the ears back where they're supposed to be, and then there's the classic Hollywood moment where you give the, uh, the patient the mirror and you unwrap, you know, everything and they look in the mirror and they start crying and mom starts crying, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the question sometimes also is, is, well, doc, what operation do you like to do best? And for me, it's, it's the one that makes the most impact. Right. Uh, sure. So whether it's the 16 year old girl, we had another 17 year old girl with side H, you know, breasts or whatever. Uh, and we did. That's the, really tough when you're a young girl in high school. And, it's brutal. Yeah. And uh, she was having problems in school about it, and she had neck pain, and 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 all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so yeah, with one operation, you know, she it's, she's a week out, and she always yeah, my neck feels better. Mm. So some of our our uh, happiest patients are the breast. Re, uh, it's actually patients. interesting that they bring that up because I have a friend that's a well known singer in Las Vegas, and I had met her when she was 18. We did a show in Japan, and she had really large breasts and, and she was a singer, but still, and then I, I ran into her many years later. I hadn't seen her and, and our, another person that I knew, he goes, Oh, she's a beautiful girl. She has really large breasts. And I said, well, actually she had a reduction. Right. And I, and I, and that was kind of harkens back to that story because with sure. show business, you know, um, obviously in that people may want that look. Some people may want that, but some people don't want that look. Sure. And they, and it's important for women that, um, have like that causes back problems. It causes all sorts of issues, right? Sure. So, and a lot uh, when it comes to the breast reduction stuff, I think a lot of it is predicated one on mass, but two on uh, the pendulousness. Mm-hmm. And so right. it's shape. it's well, shape. yeah, it just just the drag uh, and the pendulousness. And so it's kind of like if you have a backpack and the straps are too long, mm-hmm. uh, and then you shore up the the straps and it fits where it's supposed to. Well, okay, well then you know you know, it doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah, it helps your whole physiology of your right. body, how you stand, how you present yourself. Right. So, 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 uh, so all of that. So I, I think that's why I like to think I spend so much time. And if you, we have these consultants come by and they go, Oh, you know, you're spending way too much time with your patients. Doc. Right. And, and you know, and, and I'm like, what? And, um, but for me, one is, is you can find out problems before the problems. 
uh, oh, by the way, yeah, I have this heart thing, and they. I've and, always had issues when I had surgery or so, anesthesiology. Oh, you know, it's just <laughs> you know, we always ask about anesthesia. Right. But even so, I mean, we had to cancel cases just last week because uh, somebody uh, had a whole bunch of ibuprofen for a week before. And we're like, causes we, a lot of bleeding issues. Well, yeah, and we and, and you tell me, tell me, tell me, but some people don't pick up on it or word mm-hmm. or they just go into automatic mode. We're all creatures of habit, you know, and I have a headache, I have a toothache. And, and also, so, too, anyway. they want to get the surgery, so maybe they're not so forthcoming. Well, there, yeah, there's there's that too. <laughs> like, and no, that, I don't smoke. And that's, uh, <laughs> uh, well, that's yeah, that's and that's and we and we really we read them the riot act. And the ones uh, smoking is bad and evil, and please stop it. Basically, especially for facelifts and uh, tummy tucks uh, and breast lifts, you cannot, cannot, cannot smoke uh that includes nicotine from uh, chewing or vaping or right. or, or any of that and part of, of that is they're spending the money they're making that investment and then you want as a surgeon you want them to have the best result right but they got to play their part it's a team right. effort it's a team effort and, and yeah. it's all about putting their ducks in a row you know mm-hmm. and again we talked about this earlier is you can't have surgery on friday and expect to go back to work as a construction worker on monday okay that, that doesn't, doesn't work uh, depending on the the depending on the the procedure, but having said that, and then we go over that. We go over, hey, you're going to be out of work X, you know, X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to twist your body so much. You know, you you can't lift more than five pounds. Oh, you have a six month old at home. Okay, you're going to have to have somebody help you. Sure. You know, lift a baby out of the crib. You know, it says, oh, you have a two year well. You're going to have to hurt him more than lift him. And <laughs> yeah. so we we talk about all that kind of stuff. I was like, what do you mean you don't have a car? Okay, well you have to come back for your, you know, post operative yeah. stuff. Uh, and so. It's it's all of that, and I mean, I think as a doctor, I mean, plastic surgeon, or no matter what you do, you want you want the best outcome ultimately. If they're going to make that kind of investment, absolutely, and yeah. you do that as a physician, anyways. Even in the ER, it's like because again, when I was in back in Philadelphia, we had uh, about two in the morning. We would have you know a lot of these moms that would bring their kids in at two in the morning to the ER because things happen. There, well, one there's yes, there's actual emergencies, but for sniffles, fever, chills, why? Because they're at work all day. And they and they take a bus and they and three transfers to get to the ER. And that's the only time they're going to be able to see a doctor is at two in the morning right, uh, right. in the ER at MCP in Philly. Sure, and that's the most expensive care that you can get. But guess what? That's we talk about access. That's the only access that that mom had. Right, and so you're like, okay. And then we talk about you know what. Uh, you know, where do they live? Uh, what kind of living conditions are they? Are they going to school? Are they getting enough nutrition? So all of that um, it plays, falls, plays a role. Yeah, falls under the heading of uh, of medicine. What's your favorite part about being a doctor or plastic surgeon in general? I think uh, uh, is being a, the ability to make the privilege uh, to be able to make a difference uh, in in somebody's life and, and their and their families. So sometimes it's very uh, dramatic. Uh, you know, the gunshot went to the chest and you revive them and you take it out. Okay, sure. That's, you know, that's very Hollywood. Um, and sometimes it, it's, it, it's um, just a little thing that you do that'll go the, the long way or make them feel about some of their lifestyle changes and just go, hmm, I need to, to, to do this. Um, we had uh, this, uh, this one gal. Uh, the other day, um, she was. Uh, we've been doing a lot of gauges lately uh, of folks that come in and they have those big gauges in their ears. We've been repairing right, those that, a lot. The big ear hole. And, and um, this one gal came in, and um, she had a big gauge, and it pulled all the way through. So she's got these two like dangling little pieces of tissue from <laughs> her from her ear yeah. for seven years. Wow. Okay, and so her kids were making fun of her and saying, "Hey, mommy, when are you going to get the lobster claw fixed?" Right. <laughs> And, but she was afraid of doctors, nice. 
right? Yeah. Just afraid of So finally, it came into me. I guess I was less scary than most. And we went ahead and we did it. Uh, and I like to think that we made a big difference, you know, in her life. A lot of these guys now were getting out of, thank God, the pandemic and stuff, looking for jobs and, and such. Like, okay, well, enough already. I got to kind of clean up my act and kind of do this thing. Right. So, uh, but- I got to go back into the professional world. Maybe right. they're salesmen, maybe they're- 100%. Right. So, uh, or there's, okay, what's, you know, this was great while it lasted. Okay, enough already. And I'm on to make a, another, uh, you know, another change or whatever. So, and I, I judge no one. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's fix whatever you need to get fixed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, and then, but I do like to go ahead and really kind of get to the reasons kind of why, you know, what's your motivation, what's your why of doing these uh, sort of things. And it's usually to look better in a swimsuit or to feel better about myself. Yeah. Um, the, oh, I'm going to get, you know, size G breast to get my husband back. No. Okay. So, the, and then, so sometimes uh, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, that kind of thing as sure. well. So, so yeah. So, so it, it's, it's like there is a things. bit of a psychology involved in that. Well, sure. That yeah. Stuff. Whether, you know, you know, you know, bartender or hairdresser or whatever, you know, there, there's people are looking for connection and that's where the social media and they're looking for connection. Yeah. Um, and social media. Now people are, are your face is right there front and center. Sure. So things that you it's maybe not have, might, might not have cared about 20 years ago. Sure. Now they do. Right. Yeah. So the, the whole <laughs> so, zoom meeting thing and, and more and people we talked about, I, I even asked you about that. <laughs> yes. So, so more zoom meeting things. I don't like my, this, my, that. Uh, and so we're, we're getting into that as well. But, but to your question is, is yes. For me, it's a matter of uh, what can make the most appreciable difference, not for me, but for the patient. Because I can go ahead and say, wow, look at that. That's an absolute home run. Holy smokes, that's terrific. And the patient may go, meh. You know what I mean? So, okay. But then other, other times I'll go ahead and do a, you know, relatively routine something and it's the best thing since sliced bread. And so, for some people it could be life changing. And they, could, they, may have, they may have had years of, like you said, being made fun of or, or right. having self being self-conscious about something. Right. And then, you know, and then again, getting back to other things is, you know, two, uh, two weeks ago I had somebody tell me, says, you know, you saved my life, right? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't do that anymore. So uh, when I was in the burn unit, I was on a trauma unit. Yeah, okay, sure, all the time. Uh, but she said, no, 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 no. She says, no, these, this had to get fixed, and I felt really bad, and I was really depressed and everything else. Or, or again, with breast implant illness, you know, uh, I'm gaining weight again, and my hair's coming back again. And, overwhelming. And, and, and the whole thing. And so, so even in my world, you're able to make an impactful um, presence and not only for the patient, but then in whatever circle she's in, whether right. it's family, whether it's church, whether it's whatever it might be. Whoever people, they happen to be interacting with. Right. Yeah. And so for, for that, that's a real privilege. And uh, it takes a while to train to be able to have the training and the wherewithal uh, to get that privilege, but it's it, and I tell the medical students it's it's a calling, it's not a job. Yeah. But in my mind, it's 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 well worth um, you know the, the sacrifice to do that. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, I, and I I've seen you in action, and you can tell that you have a passion for it. You still love what you do, which is important, right? Right. Still. Yeah. So yeah, love you know putting my hard hat out and going to work in the morning and yeah. uh, and and all of that. And I work with a great uh, staff, except a couple of them. No, I'm kidding. I, I, a great. <laughs> A great staff and yeah, an uh, awesome staff. and that uh, no that helps that helps a lot too. Right, yeah, having the support because you can't oh, do it by yourself. No, right? no, no. It's 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 a team effort and it takes a village. And and I say this all the time. I said, look, is you know if the guy in the OR um, the mop doesn't show up, uh, that's a problem because yeah. you know you got to clean up, you got to sterilize, and, and guess what? I used to be the guy with the mop. Yeah. So and it's good that I that, get it. And we talked about that before because we have similar backgrounds in some ways that we've both worked our way up from. From being that guy, being the, the janitor, right. being the whatever. And I did all that stuff too. But it makes you appreciate when you 
are successful and you, right. you actually arrive to that point, you, you really have appreciation for everybody in that office and everybody. Sure. You know? Yeah. So no, no, no. So if they don't do, you know, if you have you know, 11 Tom Brady's on the field, you're going to lose every time. Right. Okay, so you need one Tom Brady to be quarterback, plays a role. but you need some three hundred and fifty pound linemen. You know, you need some uh, some wide receivers with four four speed. Yeah, you need all those uh, all those guys. Right. So super important. Um, tell um, tell the audience how they can find you if they want to ask questions, and sure. also that website. And- sure, we're we're all over the place. So uh, so check us out on the on the website. Uh, it is www.jjrothmd.com. That's uh, jjrothmd.com. Uh, we are all over social media, uh, including uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, and all of that. And we're constantly uh, updating that. And uh, if you want to see something on the website or uh, if you want to see something on our social media, let us know. We actually look at every single comment, uh, et cetera. And then um, we also obviously are on the podcast as you're listening to today. And so if, if you're within the sound of my voice, uh, you know that uh, we are always available on um, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple, Podbean, and wherever else uh, yeah, you have a so many. Actually, a special shout out to our friends at Mixerbox in Asia. Absolutely. Um, we did a live with them a few months ago. They did really well. We're going to be doing some more that coming up yeah too. that was that was a lot of fun yeah. uh and so it's it's funny because uh, as as you know the because uh, you spent time in, in japan and uh, and actually was over there for a couple of fights uh you have to try to time things uh as well and the uh and and so yeah so you know getting up at four in the morning to go ahead and and, and <laughs> yes, hit a, and hit prime time there uh is, uh is always a challenge but we're up for it and uh and that was a lot of fun and we had some really good questions uh from there too yeah live live from taiwan but uh thank you uh, everybody for joining us and uh please you can find all of our episodes um um, on all the uh, podcast outlets and uh, please check out uh, the past episodes. We have a lot of new fun topics coming up that we're going to discuss and uh, absolutely it's going to be a lot of fun onward and upward. Yep. And if you have a, uh, if you have a question that, uh, that you want answered by all means, let us know and we'll go ahead and answer it uh, uh, on air. Uh, or if you want to ask any questions about uh, plastic surgery, aesthetic medicine, call the office. We love questions. Uh, that number uh, 702-450-0777. Seven 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 is the biggest thing. Yep, so, in the yeah. United States. Yep, yep. Because we have a, we have overseas listeners too. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, awesome. Thank you uh, everybody for joining us, and have an awesome day. Thank you so much for joining us. For further information, please visit the podcast website link for Dr. Jeffrey Roth. See you next time. Get the best skin protection from the ravages of the sun with Dr. Roth's really great sunscreen. Because you and all your loved ones deserve the best. Developed and produced exclusively by Dr. Roth. Really great sunscreen. For more information on looking good, feeling great, go to www.jjrothmd.com and check out the full range of non-surgical products.